Yo, this is Pastor Teeter here, welcoming you once again to my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And I want to welcome you to the last podcast of 2021 as I am doing the final sermon of the year, looking at a unique angle to the Christmas story. There's so much that we have all seen and come to know of, whether in books and movies or even going to church. And it usually always ends with Jesus's birth, right? But the Christmas story has uh, to be continued. And this isn't just talking about Jesus's life, death and resurrection, which is important. But there is something that happens immediately after, well, about a week after that we are introduced to a very important character that I want to introduce to you probably for the first time. As we're about to open up God's word, just focus on that one element of the story that how did Christ come? The Messiah of the savior of the world. How did he show up into this world as a what? As a baby. And I think that is one of the coolest flexes that God has. He sends his one and only son as a helpless baby and the devil couldn't even take out an infant. Oh, that's a flex right there. That is awesome. But listen, I'm sure when it comes to the Christmas story, you guys are all very familiar with a lot of different elements. We know there was a baby. We know there was Mary and Joseph. I'm sure you know those guys. I'm sure you've heard of some shepherds. I'm sure you have heard of wise men, right? I'm sure you've heard of animals that were with Jesus at his birth. Listen, we all know that one guy, the infamous innkeeper, and his legacy was the fact that, listen, he didn't do anything wrong. He was just being real. I'm like, listen, uh, I don't got room for you. He wasn't being discriminatory at all. He was just being practical. We even know about him. We are very familiar with all the cast of characters of Christmas. But I ask you, I wonder how familiar are you with Simeon's story in the Christmas story? You guys ever heard of a guy named Simeon? There is a guy named Simeon who actually plays an important role in the Christmas story. The unfortunate thing is that when we see the movies or when we read the stories, it stops right when Simeon's story starts. And that's where we're going to pick up to today because there is something amazing that God does in that moment that I want to make sure we add to the Christmas story that so many of us are familiar with. So let's check out Simeon's story. So those of us, if you've been hanging out with us long enough, you know I like to anchor every single Sunday in a text today. It's going to be Luke chapter 2. So if you got your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 2. Everybody else online for the first time or first time here, I got you. We're going to put it on the screen. But before we go into Luke 2, just a pretext. So you all know the story up until this point. The baby's born. We got angels. We got all that, right? By the way, fun fact, uh, that Simeon actually gets to meet Jesus before the wise men do. I know that's going to wreck some of your nativities that y'all already got set up. It's cute, beautiful. But the, the wise men meet toddler Jesus, actually. This is, happens way later. But for the sake of I'll allow it. Don't feel bad. You are not less of a Christian if you have that kind of a nativity. Just at least you know. But Simeon's story enters in right when Mary and Joseph, about a little over a week after the birth, a little over a week after the birth of Jesus, they are going to go to the temple because this is something that is done culturally, not just culturally, but according to the Mosaic law that God had given Israel, every firstborn child was to be presented 
to the Lord. So there was this first fruit, firstborn dedication. And so they did this with animals and they did this with children. And the idea of the firstborn is to remind everybody that, listen, the first belongs to God because God should be first in our lives. That's what the principle meant. And so Mary and Joseph, according to the law, they fulfilled it eight days later or so. They name him Jesus and then they go present Jesus to the temple. And it's at that moment when Simeon's story starts. And so let's just read a couple verses and we're gonna finish through today. Let's go to verse 25 through 27. So there was, in Luke 2, verse 25 and 27, through 27, it says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. That word just means Israel's Messiah, Israel's promised one. That's all that meant. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And so that's, we're going to stop right there. All right. Uh, Actually, verse 27, I'm sorry. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And there we'll we'll pause. So this is all we know of Simeon. There's a few Simeons that pop up in the Old Testament and in some of the New. But this Simeon, this is his only time that he's ever mentioned in the Bible. And all we know of Simeon, all we know of Simeon is this, what was written. We know that he was a righteous and devout man. What that means, guys, is he wasn't a perfect dude. That's not what that means. A righteous, devout man. Every time we see the description of someone being righteous in the Bible, especially in the New Testament and the Old, both of us be real. It's always a description of their faith towards God. It doesn't mean that they were perfect. It means that they trusted and put their trust in the righteous one in God. And so there was a good relationship between this person and God. And when, you know, Abraham was described as righteous and he was made righteous by his faith. So we see Simeon is a man of faith. That's what devout means. He was a man of faith that trusted in God. He believed in the promises that was from Genesis all the way through the prophets, that God would send a Messiah, that God would send a promised one. And he believed in that. He knew it. And also we saw that he had been given a special, unique promise. You saw that, that God had through the Holy Spirit said, Simeon, you will not die until you see the Messiah, the one that everybody has been waiting for and looking to. My boy, you get the privilege. I promise you won't die until that happens. Could you imagine if God gave you a promise like that? I mean, you, if it was me, I mean, every day I would be excited to get up. I don't care what it was going to be. Monday morning, that's like the worst one for everybody to wake up to, right? Monday morning, get it. Bro, every day I would want to get up early to make sure I didn't sleep in, that I didn't miss it because I believed he knew one day I will get to see this Messiah. That's all we know. And what's interesting is also the name Simeon, which is cool. You know what Simeon actually means in the Hebrew? It means somebody who hears God and obeys. Somebody who hears, understands what is being said, but then follows through. That is amazing. That's what we know about this man. And we see that in his life, that God spoke through the prophets, through the generations. He heard it, understood it, and believed that God was going to bring a Messiah. And then he heard God give him a promise. And he every single day believed, I know God will not fail me. That's who this guy is. It's really interesting. I wish we could see more of this story, but already we see so many things. Oh, and the fact that it's righteous, I got to pause on that one. We got to add this little disclaimer. See, the reason why he was so excited, and even though he was described as righteous, again, it didn't mean he was perfect. Simeon knew he was a sinner. 
Simeon knew he was a sinner in need of a savior and he put his faith in God and that's what made him righteous. It was by his faith, not his performance, not his actions. And guys, that's important for us to understand. I don't care how good of a person you are compared to whoever you want to compare yourself to. We all believe in the statement that what? No one is perfect. And even then, if you believe in that statement, no one is perfect, guess what? Congratulations, you have just played yourself. Because if you've ever said no one is perfect, you have admitted there is a level of perfection that no one can attain to. And if there is a standard of perfection, where does that come from? It's kind of hard to be able to call a crooked line crooked if you've never seen a straight line before. And that God is that standard. And so what happens here? Notice that even he heard the voice of God in that moment, said, go to the temple at this very moment. The Holy Spirit didn't tell him why. The Holy Spirit didn't say go here because he just said, just go. And Simeon, what did Simeon do? He heard God, he understood the assignment, and he said, okay, I guess to the temple, I'm gonna go. And look what happens next. Let's read verse 28 through 32. 28 through 32, all the rest of 27 says he was guided by the Holy Spirit and to the temple when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought the child to Jesus. I'm sorry, brought the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary according to the law. I just told you that. Simeon then sees him, takes him in his arms, praised his God, and he says this. He burst into a song now. Now, master, talking to God, you can dismiss your servant in peace. As you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. This guy, Simeon, burst into a song when he sees Jesus. And by the way, this is, I believe, I should know this, but this is the fourth of five Christmas songs that are sung, meaning, you know, songs surrounding the birth of Jesus. Simeon is one of them. And here he's singing this song. and, And to me, that would... I would have loved to just to see the beginning of that because Simeon, apparently he's there. He doesn't know why. He just goes to the temple and the spirit of the living God, he recognizes that, oh my gosh, wait a minute. That's not just any baby. That's the, that's the Messiah. He runs up and snatches the baby. I just would have loved that, that five seconds. What would Mary and Joseph do? Mamas, listen, if some dude, random stranger snatches and, you know, he literally just snatches your baby from your hands and burst into some, you know, Broadway song, what would you do? What would you do if that happened? Fellas, what would you do? I would love to know that moment when somebody just takes your child and then you're trying to process that. I accidentally did that on purpose one time. I'm sorry, on accident. Ooh, I did that on accident one time. I was, at, uh, it was with the family over at Disney Springs and we were just kind of hanging out and it was a really crowded day and I'm, I'm patting my three boys. And so, you know, okay, one, two, three. Okay, I got everybody. You haven't lost. Okay, one, two, three. Okay, I got everybody. And on one of those pats, I, I would kind of pat and bring in because it would wander. And so I go to pat and I bring in and I'm, I'm playing with his hair. And then I'm like, that texture is different. That hair does not feel like. And I look down and when I look down, I just see a. I don't know whose kid that was. And I'm like, oh, oh um. <laughs> I mean, the dad was right there and the dad was so in shock because, I mean, it was the slickest, like, you know, okay, like that. And the dad looked at me and went, I'm glad it wasn't a fight. Oh my gosh, it would have been. I was actually waiting and ready because, but at least he was nice. But I don't know. This is kind of what happened. Simeon just goes up and snatches Jesus and then starts singing. And there must have been something for before Joseph and Mary to react. I'm like, wait, whoa, what's going on here? 
And that song is so interesting. Did you guys catch that song? The song was so beautiful because it was a song. First off, he praises God because he's thanking him. Lord, I knew it. I knew you weren't going to disappoint me. I knew you promised that I was going to see. It. And I, I'm holding in my hands the very one that my salvation, he will secure. I mean, it doesn't have to make sense for him that he's, I mean, by the way, in the Old Testament, God has this habit of sending messiahs and deliverers as babies first, whatever. But here he is, he is holding this baby and he knows the baby that I'm holding in my hands will one day secure my salvation. He knew it and he was so excited, grateful to God. And then he says something really interesting. That's amazing. He not only says, remember, he was waiting for Israel's consolation, the Messiah. He says, Lord, what you have given this, you have done something amazing. It is going to be, he says, you have prepared it in the presence of not some people, all people. You have presented in all people. It is a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. Guys, I know we don't use that language, but I got to help you understand that. A Gentile is, let me ask you a question online. Um, here, raise your hands, thumbs up if you're a Jew. Good. Raise your hands. Thumbs up if you're not a Jew. There you go. Congratulations, you're a Gentile. That's what that means, okay? So a Gentile is a non-Jew. And so Simeon understood that the Messiah is not just going to come for one people. He's going to come for all people. He's not just going to come from one nation. He will go and be for all nations. And so this is an amazing statement for him to say that this one, this Messiah is not just for Israel. It is for everybody. And so he is praising God for that thanking him for that. But then there was one line of that song that when I looked at that, I just honestly like, look, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a crier. I'm the crier in the family. I cry more than my wife does. I'm just being real. Yeah, I'm the crier. Listen, I'm not going to cry now because I already got it all out this week. Y'all catch that one word he said. He burst off in his song and says, thank you, God. Now, master, you can dismiss your servant. Some translations say, now, God, I am ready to die. That is kind of like the phrase. I'm ready to die. You can dismiss that servant. You know what the picture of the word dismiss means? It's, first off, he's obviously saying, he was an old man, but he was like, I'm going to hold on because I believe, I believe, I believe. But the word dismiss is actually a word picture that if you can imagine a boat tied onto a dock, that a boat can't go anywhere if it's tied onto a dock. But that word dismiss means untying a boat that was on a dock so that the boat can set sail and be free. Here, he is saying, not only is he, okay, God, I'm ready to die. It's more than that. He is saying, Lord, I am ready. I am ready. You can dismiss me because I, I am ready to live. I am ready to see and experience all that you're going to do. He understood that it is more to this world than even this present life. And guys, there is something in that statement that you and I, if you have received and do receive Christ as your savior, listen, this is what we get. See, when we receive Christ as our savior, just like Simeon, we know uh, we don't have to fear death anymore. Simeon knew this already before Jesus ever did anything. But now we know the rest of the story. What happens to baby Jesus? Some really crazy stuff. He dies on the cross as a man for our sins. And three days later, what happens? He is risen from the dead. And so as Christians, when you receive Christ, you no longer 
fear death. Why? Because we have put our faith in the only one who has ever conquered sin and death. The only one who has ever died and himself resurrected, not by anyone else, but himself. And so we no longer fear death because we know the one who conquered it. We know the one that has paved the way through it, that it does not claim us. Sin and death and the devil and hell will not claim anyone who's in Christ. So we no longer fear death, but there's more to that. In Christ, not only do you not fear death, but in Christ, you are also free to live today. You are free to live today. When you put your trust and faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, he is untying you from the burdens of this world, untying you from the things and sin and freeing you so that you are able to even now begin to set sail in his love and even now begin to be free to be able to live for him, with him, through him. Guys, because eternal life is not just for someday. Jesus said eternal life is for today, for all those who call on Jesus's name. So that is some amazing statement, but uh, Simeon's not done. He goes off, he hijacks baby Jesus, bursts into an amazing song, and then when he turns back, look what the next thing Simeon says. Verse 33 to 35, and this is where Simeon's story ends. His father and mother, Jesus, were amazed at what was being said about him by Simeon. Then Simeon blessed them, and he told his mother Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. A sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts and minds may be revealed. It's a little kind of a downer. I mean, he goes into this amazing song and then that kind of turns into this like weird, okay, that was, they didn't see that coming. But so Simeon, not only does he praise God but then he goes and prophesies under the power of the spirit about Jesus, telling Mary and Joseph these three analogies. Did you guys catch it? There's three things that he says this baby will grow up to be a man and he will be three things. He will be a stone, he will be a sign, and he will be a sword. A stone, a sign, and a sword. The stone means when he says the rise and fall of many, Simeon is echoing what the prophet Isaiah and Jeremiah and others had said prior, who Peter later would say the same thing, that Jesus would be, the Messiah would be a stone, a cornerstone, that for those who believe in Jesus, he will be a foundation stone. He will be that cornerstone. He will be the one thing that will help them to rise up, rise from the dead into new life. Jesus, for those who believe, he will be that cornerstone, that foundation stone. But for those who refuse, they will be a stumbling stone, meaning that they, they will trip over Christ because of their unbelief and their rejection. And like any one of us who's ever fallen and gotten hurt, that's kind of what happens, right? You fall and get hurt, but this is worse. Those who trip on the cornerstone of Christ and stumble because of their sin and rejection of Christ, they will stumble into eternal condemnation. Uh, let me define that. That's, that's hell for those who reject Jesus. That's the sword. Some, sorry, the stone. The sign is the same thing. He will be a sign that will be, what, what did he say? Opposed. That meaning there will be people who will say, um, I'll pass. There's going to be people who are going to be like, I doubt it. No. There's going to be people, he's telling Mary, not everybody. He will be a sign. And what he did 
The fact that he died, now that was not the sign. The fact that he rose from the dead, the sign of what he is and what he would do, it will not be truly and fully accepted by all. There will be people who oppose him. And Mary saw this because as Jesus was telling the truth, what were they trying to do? What were people trying to do? Not just oppose him, like debate him. No, the word oppose is, is, is aggressive. It is just like any sport, right? Tonight, the Tampa Bay Bucks play tonight. All right, the Bucks play tonight. Um, they play the Saints. And so any sport, right, when you have, a, you have one objective, score points, keep the other one from scoring. The other team is going to do what? Oppose you. They're not going to beg you. The Saints aren't going to beg, oh, please, Tom Brady, don't throw for 400 yards and score a touchdown on us. Please don't do it. They're not going to beg him. What are they going to do? They're going to do everything in their power to stop that man. They're going to do everything in their power to oppose the team from doing what they need to do to win. You see that? So here he is saying there will be those who will oppose Christ forcefully. They're not just going to disagree. No they're going to put some muscle behind what they're going to try and do. And the last one was probably the most interesting analogy of who Jesus will be. Jesus will be a sword. Now, this one always says, right, he says, this sword will pierce your own soul. And I've always heard it said, see, he's telling Mary, Mary, this boy, his life, something is going to happen that's going to hurt your heart. Obviously, we know the story. What's going to happen to Jesus? He's going to die on the cross. And what do we know? That Mary will witness the murder and torture of her son. Now, all the mamas in the house, all the mama bears in the house, how do you feel when you see somebody talking about your baby or hurting your baby? What are you gonna do? How are you gonna feel? You might, yeah, you, you know, sleeves up, you're gonna black out, and then you'll deal with the consequences later, right? That's kind of what's gonna happen. Those who do that, right? You just have this thing in you. It's this natural thing. Well, some would say, oh, see, the, the death of Christ will pierce your soul, Mary. Yeah, okay. Obviously, practically, yes. But here's the thing. The stone, the prophet Isaiah and prophets speaking of the Messiah had said that about Jesus, that this is what the Messiah would be. A sign that would be opposed, Isaiah and others who prophesied about Jesus said he would be a sign who would oppose. And Isaiah hundreds of years before, actually said that he will be a sword. And this is what he will do, that he will pierce the hearts of many and their hearts will be revealed. Hebrews speaks of the same thing in New Testament. You know what this means? That Jesus is the truth of God. The truth of God is always described as a sword. And a sword cuts, a sword, and that's what a sword does, right? It's the point of it. It cuts, it divides, it splits. And so the truth of God will reveal your heart. It will reveal the truth of who you are. And here's the thing, for those who accept Jesus, the sword will be a scalpel. The sword will be a scalpel that is meant to not just open you up, but reveal the very thing that's the problem, which is our sin inside, our rebellion against God. And that scalpel will cut away and free us from sin and death. And guys, you know, when doctors, they cut you, they, they cut you to heal you, right? They know how to cut you in a way that you can recover. They're not just gonna hack at you, right? A true doctor knows how to cut precisely to remove what needs to be removed so that you can be healed and live. When you accept the truth of God, when the truth penetrates your heart and you realize I'm not as awesome as I thought I was, I have broken God's law, I am a sinful person. When you see that and you recognize that Jesus died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to, so that you wouldn't have to die for your sins, when you receive that, then the spirit of the living God works as a scalpel in your life continually too. But here's the thing, those 
who oppose the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of who you are, that is not going to, the sword will not be a scalpel. It'll be an executioner's sword. It will be one. I know this is kind of crazy for Christmas. I'm just being real with you. And so it'd be one that will condemn us. It will be one that, again, it would be your choice. It would be your choice to receive that because that's what it does for all who reject Christ and don't accept him and receive him and see him for who he is. It's not going to end pretty for you. It just won't. Now, I got to give you one definition because Simeon understood this. I took me a while to figure it out. But by now, I think so all of y'all were tracking with me up until we got to this prophecy side. You're like, oh, yeah, this is Jesus. Yeah, I heard it. He's going to be the savior of the world. He was like, wait a minute, bro. I feel attacked right now. Okay. Probably the last five minutes, some of y'all maybe been feeling a little attacked by this. Well, guess what? This is what Simeon was talking about, that not everybody is going to receive the truth of Christ exactly the way. He is here to save everybody, but not everybody will be saved because not everybody will be asked to be saved. And the problem is, let me address this one thing here, because I've said this word a bit today. Sinner. You are a sinner. I got to define that. Because every time you hear someone say, and, and let, me help, let me help Christians too, if you're ever call and condemn and say this is, please watch what you're saying. Because when you say sinner, understand, know the context. Because a sinner is not a bad person. I guarantee you some, that if you haven't logged off yet, okay, there's a reason. But listen, and you know, the fact that you haven't left yet, all right, listen, good. Because when someone, when the Bible describes you as a sinner, it's not just describing you as a bad person. It's actually worse. That's kind of what you hear, right? I'm like, oh, sinner. I'm like, oh, you're a bad person compared to me. I'm not. That's not how Jesus ever used those words. That's not how I'm using those words. A sinner is not a bad person. It's worse. It's a dying person. So for me to say that you are a sinner is like me to say you are dying. It is critical. You are on your deathbed. And if you don't receive this attention right now, you will not make it. That is the context. That is what, when we say the word sinner, apart from being saved, it's in that context that you are not just a bad person. No, it's a bad situation for you. You are dying. And if you refuse Christ, this is how you will end. It's like refusing life-giving surgery, life-giving medicine. You will, by rejecting it, you will not make it. But for those who receive it, then you will, because that is what God does. He doesn't make, like I've heard it said many times, he doesn't make bad people good. Jesus makes dead people alive again. That is what he does. That is why he came. That is why he did what he did. And so I want you to look at Simeon's story and think of his story. Because Simeon spoke two major truths. Jesus is God. He is the Messiah. He is the one that will carry our sins and through him we will be saved. And then Simeon also his story comes with a warning. It comes with a warning on how we respond to that truth. And guys, I'm here to tell you the very thing that Simeon did we should do every single day and it's this. Receive the free gift of Jesus. I'm going to emphasize that one word. Receive the free gift of Jesus. Every single day, receive the free gift of Jesus. Now, I'm going to pause because some of y'all thinking, ah, oh, see, this is a talk. He's only talking to non-Christians now because I already did that. I did the prayer. I walked up front. I did what I needed to do. I was dunked in some water. It was weird. It was all right. It was nice. No, listen, let me talk to, you're a Jesus follower. You're a Christian. Let me talk to the church. All right. Do you know that we are called to receive Christ daily? 
every single day. What did Simeon do? When he saw Simeon, he woke up, he went to the temple and what did he do? He saw Jesus and took him into his arms. Do you know that that should be our natural default habit as Jesus followers? Every single day when we wake up, we look for Christ. Every single day when we look up, we receive him. We hold him in our arms. This is what we are supposed to do as believers every single day. Not just give him a hug, forgive me of my sins, Thank you so much. I'll see you when I die. No, it is every single day. Every single day we should hold Jesus, cherish him in our prayers, in our worship. Do you know how you can hold Jesus even right now? Some of y'all are doing it. Some of y'all are not. You hold this. You cherish his word. You cherish his truth. When you hold him and you cherish him in this way, you receive and you are reminded once again how beautiful and wonderful is the free gift of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is a gift, kind of like one of those, um, he's, he's not the gift that you wanted for so many people. He's not the gift you wanted, he's the gift you need, all right? It, it's kind of like, not like underwear. I'm, I'm pretty sure we've all had that, right? You all got underwear and socks for Christmas, right? You ever got one of those? I'm like, oh, yay, thank you, right? Socks and underwear aren't the gift you wanted, but it always turns out to be the gift you needed, right? You're like, you know what? Yeah, by this time of the year, I'm pretty tapped out. Yeah, it's kind of nice to get the, you know, the replenishment at this point. And so Jesus is better than that, guys. He is better than that. Because he even the scriptures say that Jesus' mercies, the, the mercy of God, the love of God, it is new every single day. That the more you consume him today and then you wake up tomorrow, there's not less of Jesus for you. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you've gotten to know God and gotten to know the love of God and his presence and power, guess what you get to do the next day? Do it all over again. You know why? Because you have not even, not even, not I, no one. On this earth, we have barely even scratched the surface of the mighty power and love and presence and character of our God. Every single day, we should hold him, receive him. Every single day, we should cherish Christ in our hearts. As believers, this is what we're called to do. Every single day, not just Sundays and not just some days. How many? Every day. Every day we cherish Christ. And for those that have not, whether you're watching live or here live or have even watching this in the future, let me tell you, let me, let me take Simeon's story and say, listen, the ending of that story of what your story will be, it's actually it's up to you on how you respond to the truth of what I'm talking about. Because Jesus is not just some trinket. He's not just some extra. He's not just some thing to make you feel better about yourself. He is not just some God that's there to co-sign on your purpose and on your plans and on your dreams. No, he is not, he might not be the gift you wanted, but listen, Jesus is the truly gift that you need. He is the one that you need. And you too have, must be like Simeon. See the need in you and see who Christ is and receive him for who he is, despite who you are. Because that is why Jesus came. It is a free gift. God gave us the free gift of eternal life. And guys, that, that last one, I, I would love to see your faces if you got a gift like this. All right, and maybe some of you guys have, sh have shopped. Some of you guys haven't yet. Um, I know I, I got a few left to do. But could you imagine five days from now on Christmas morning, could you guys imagine if you got a gift, you open it up and it happened to be the gift you wanted? 
It's the one toy that you were looking forward to. It's the one thing that are like, oh my gosh, I got this. You know, if you were, if, if you got that one gift that, you know, the, your, your wife got you this gift or your husband got you this gift, it's the one thing that you wanted. You were so excited and you see, whoa, hey, what is this? You're holding the very gift you wanted, the one gift you needed, mm-hmm, needed, and you see this gift and on it, there's attached something, the receipt attached with the bill. Could you imagine if you got the one gift you wanted and here's your friend, here's your spouse, here's your parent. Buddy, I'm so, this is, you wanted it. I got it for you. Cost me a lot of money. Pay me back when you can. All right, pay me back when you can. Enjoy it. Merry Christmas. Could you imagine if you got a gift like that with a bill that said, I, you owe me. Would that be a gift? Would that be a gift? Would you want to enjoy it? No, you can be like, I'm packing it back up. Where's, what store did you buy it from? Okay, I'm returning it. I'm not keeping this. No. See, here's the thing. I said Christ is a, what kind of a gift? He's a free gift. And Jesus does not come with an invoice. The gift of God does not come with an invoice or a bill that says you owe me eternity of servitude. Uh, I know you are, you know, you're, you're condemned for hell. Here, you know what? I died for your sins. Don't worry about it. Here's free. Here's salvation. Um, the bill is your life. Okay. Um, get on it whenever you can because I, I got things to do and I need your help. So the second, the faster you can get started serving me, the better because uh, you owe me. We know that's not Jesus. Jesus does not, his salvation, his gift himself does not come with an invoice. It does not come with a bill. It comes with a receipt that says paid in full and with a card that says, I love you. That's it. That's it. That is the gift that we have in Christ. It doesn't come with an IOU later. It doesn't come with any expectation, but will you just respond to my love in faith? and in love. That's it. That is not just the way that any non-believer should reply and feel when they receive Christ for the first time. That should be our response every single day as a believer. The grip that you have on Jesus, even when it slips, we should be reminded of his generous love, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, all to who? Dying people like us, that because we can live, because we, not only will we no longer fear death, but we can be free and being set free to live today until the time when Jesus comes and makes all things new, we will be ultimately set free from this place and made new in a beautiful day. This does not come with an IOU. This comes with an I love you. That's what it comes with. That is the gift that we are all supposed to cherish, not just today, not just on Christmas, not just on Easter Sunday, every single day. So listen, today I played the part of Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to present him there at the temple. And I came to present Jesus to all of you. The question is, is will you be like Simeon though? Will you be like Simeon and rejoice once again in who you have and what you have in Christ? Will you rejoice with what you have and will you rejoice and see and take him up into your arms? And will you receive him for that? Receive the gift of his love. Receive for today. Will you experience that today or will you be like everybody else that was in the temple? There was a lot of people there that were too busy doing their own thing. They didn't see what Simeon saw. 
because their eyes were somewhere else. It's up to you on how we respond today. And so I challenge you for every single one of us in this place, can we not, not just repent and recognize our great need for Christ, but can we rejoice and receive Christ, whether if it's the first time or once again, and praise his mighty name for his loving kindness towards the kind of people that we are. That's what we have to decide to do today. And I want to, I want to, I want to, lead you in a prayer. I want you guys to reflect and respond right now for all of us. Lord, I want to take a minute and thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for for what you have done, for who you are. God, we have presented and I've done my part to present you as Christ, to present the truth of who you are because you came here to accomplish something. But Lord, what you came to accomplish, you did it. You fulfilled the law perfectly because we are all imperfect people that we could not, we could not avoid and we could not stand guiltless, Lord, in the courtroom of heaven. Yet Jesus, you did everything possible and died on the cross for our sins, all of our sins, no matter what we have done and who we are. You did it all for us and then not only died, but rose from the grave to prove to prove your power, to prove that you are who you said and claimed and that your word claimed to be. Lord, you are that. You came and accomplished your mission. But Lord, we also know that because of that, it now requires a response from people. And God, I pray, I pray that we all, every more of us, more than not, if not all of us, Lord, can respond rightly. Guys, I want to encourage you, church, let's, let's keep praying, let's keep praising. If you have received Christ long ago, whether if weeks ago, months ago, years ago, can you just pause for a moment and hold Christ, hold this truth in your arms right now. Hold this truth in your arms, and can you rejoice with, like the way Simeon did, can you rejoice with Simeon and adore and love this very Christ who loved you so much, he did all of this before you could ever do, that he loved you before you could ever love him. He lived for you before you even could take a breath of life can you just rejoice in what you have in Christ in who you are that your present your identity is no longer rooted in your action it is not rooted in what you have done your identity in Christ is rooted in what he has done this is who you are this is the gift of being called a son and daughter of God not just an enemy of God can you today just hold on and rejoice and sing and praise God for his never-ending love, for his never-ending strength. Some of you as believers right now, you're in the middle of something maybe. You're in the middle of a question. You're in the middle of a transition. You're in the middle of an issue. There's things that you cannot control. I get it. That is life. Can you rejoice in the fact that right now you, not just you, but the anchor that is holding you down is actually holding on to you better than you're holding on to him. Can you rejoice that not only do you receive Christ in your arms, but that his his arms have embraced you and are embracing you today and that he promised I will never leave you nor forsake you I will never leave you nor forsake you I have not left you though you may believe I have though you may feel that I have I have never and will never I am holding tighter to you now than you can ever think or imagine I am carrying you further than you can ever believe right now can you church believers can you just now just praise God rejoice thank him 
with your own words that this is worship him right now for who he is like Simeon did in the temple. Worship him in this place for who Christ is. Lord, we exalt your mighty name. We look to you, Lord, in gratitude, in humble gratitude, thanking you, God, for your mighty love, thanking you for your faithfulness and loving kindness, Jesus, that you've extended to each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that when we are called on your name, that, Lord, when we said to forgive us of our sins, you didn't say, oh, that's too much for me. That you didn't say, no, you've done too much. It is too, no, God, there is not one person that you have turned away, not one sin that you are unable to forgive when we've confessed it in your name. And so, God, I thank you for your generous, mighty love. And I pray that every one of us may see that and experience that. And as we're praying, church, keep worshiping. I'm going to tell everybody that is, whether online or here, listen, your response to Christ matters. He can't just be a God. He has to be the Lord, your God. And you can't just, you cannot receive Christ as your Savior if you don't see yourself as a sinner, not a bad person, but a dying person. I'm sure so many of you have been frustrated, frustrated with life and nothing is enough. Nothing is enough. You've tried this, you've done that, you've achieved this, you failed at that, and none of it, none of it is enough and you're tired. Well, Jesus is not the gift you think you want. He's the gift you need. And I want to challenge all of you online and everyone here, will you call on on his name and say, Lord, I need help. I need you. There is a hole inside that everything I throw in is not enough. I need you. Can you pray that right now if that is you? Online, if that's you, just say, I'm saying Jesus. I'm saying yes to Jesus for the first time or anyone here as well. If that is you, you can pray in your own words. Raise your hand. I'll pray with you as well. And so all you have to do is just call on that mighty name, the same name that everybody else is right here, the one that we're holding on to, the joy and peace that we have. It can be yours. I don't care the color of your skin or how much money you have, what you've achieved and done and failed at. This gift is for all. It is for everyone. That is what Sim was declaring the same thing I'm echoing. He is for all of us, no matter how old or young or whatever it is, he is for all of us. And may we respond like Simeon do and say, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your love. Lord, I pray. I pray that this truth may just be rooted and anchored in our soul right now in Jesus' name as we not only hold to you, but that you hold on to us. Lord, we praise your name. And I thank you for the work that you're doing, that you may continue, not just today, but this week, open up our eyes more and more and more to the beauty that is Christ, to the wonderful, to the wonders that we have in you. Lord, that you may continue to untie us from the docks of doubt and untie us from the dock of of shame and regret, untie us from the dock of our flesh and of temptation, Lord, that we may set sail, set sail in your love. We pray these things. I pray these things and I praise your name for who you are and what you are doing, Jesus. In your name, we declare these things. Amen. My prayer is that Simeon's song has now become your song and that you not only see yourself the way Simeon saw himself, but the way I pray that you may also see Jesus the way Simeon saw Jesus. And remember, the reason why he was counted to be righteous was not because he got things right all the time. It wasn't because he was perfect. It's because he saw himself for what he was, a sinner in need of a savior. And he saw Jesus for who he was the savior that he needed. 
and he was labeled righteous by his faith in God, just like Abraham, just like the heroes of old in the Old Testament. And that's the same for us, that we are made righteous in Christ alone, not in anything else. And so I want to challenge you for the rest of and the remainder of this year, looking into the next, that you just cherish Christ. Do what Simeon did. Hold him in your arms. And the way that we hold Christ in our arms is by holding on to his word, by abiding and holding on to his word, by holding on to the spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth. It is all connected in there. God's word not only reveals the father's heart, but it also shows us Christ. And it also is a work of the spirit. It is all three in one. And so I want to challenge you to Every time you wake up in the morning that you hold on to him in your prayers, you hold on to him in his word, in your study, you hold on to him in your thoughts. That is that kind of revolutionary that we always talk about. Somebody that revolves their entire being more and more around Christ. And I pray that you may respond in the way Simeon did, and that through that, God may reflect and use your story to continue the story so that many, many others can find what you have found.